I'm the Inca slash rapper that you never thought would happen. Commentary get it cracking like pads when they start whacking. Applaud like studio audience audio is to rob you. Sports stew show is that so? I got what you want. The NFL mixed with hip hop phone. And spin sport news. Good heads of blue light. Bet your team, you know you would lose. Don't get it confused. I'm like Shikhan mixed with Uncle Scrooge. McDuck, get bucks. Watch his cluck. What? Shine like wine from water. Wait, grapes. R.I.P. Stew with Scott, the late great. And welcome back to the Rob U Sports Stew Show NFL 2023 pre draft free agency special edition of the Rob U Sports Stew Show podcast NFL news and commentary. I want to welcome everybody back to the podcast. You know, I took a little hiatus as the NFL went from the Super Bowl going into free agency and pre-draft. But now I'm returning with the top storylines and top news of player movement, coach movement, franchise movement as far as ownership is concerned and other movements going on in the league right now. And just want to thank you all for tuning in, checking this out, this episode out. You know what I'm saying? If you're really feeling the podcast, feel free to bless the cash app at dollar sign R-O-B-7-B-O-D-I-S-O-N, Rob 7 Bodison at cash app. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, however you're receiving it. Share it with friends and families and acquaintances, co-workers, associates. It helped the podcast grow to a larger audience, wherever you're listening at, wherever you're tuning in from. And it's been a lot of action going on in the NFL right now. And there haven't been many more stories, more covered, more scrutinized than the Lamar Jackson, Baltimore Ravens standoff, standstill, where Lamar is believed to be holding out for a certain amount of guaranteed monies in his upcoming contract, where the Ravens have signed, have tendered him for a non-exclusive franchise player where he would have to find another team willing to take on his contract and willing to give up two first-round draft picks for a chance to sign him or keep him moving forward while the Ravens have the option this year if Lamar Jackson signs the tender to have Lamar on a one-year rental. And we'll see how things transpire. There's been a lot of things going on, and this has, has been very fishy and very funny, such as when Lamar was first made available to other NFL teams Immediately, four or five teams came out and said they would not be interested in his services. And it really had a very strong stench and stink of collusion and owners and general managers going against a player for not having an agent and for for doing things his way. And they'd be setting the bar too high following the desperation move by the Browns to sign Deshaun Watson to his lucrative contract. And now Lamar was said to have had someone named Ken Francis potentially negotiating for him, which Lamar came on Twitter and, of course, refuted those claims. 
and has very much been hesitant to sign or negotiate through an agent, choosing to do the cold contract negotiation process with him and his mother. And maybe they do have a few people like Ken Francis in the picture. But this this situation has just been complicated even more now as Jalen Hurst has just cashed in for five years, $255 million extension with the Philadelphia Eagles fresh off that Super Bowl appearance. $179 million in guarantee. So now... This is somebody who's been to a Super Bowl, which Lamar Jackson has not, but Lamar Jackson has been the MVP and is the main piece of that offensive puzzle and picture where they've now also added OBJ, the receiver, to come in and give Lamar Jackson maybe some shorthanded targets with with some speed and experience to kind of help the offense do some different things, which, of course, they will be doing different things with a new offensive coordinator coming in and now maybe doing not so much run heavy offensive but maybe spreading out a little bit more and not relying on Lamar Jackson's running ability too much but it's just been a long drawn out process between Lamar Jackson and the Ravens to reach an agreement on something that they both can be satisfied with and now bringing in Odell Beckham Jr. They've already shown that they, you know, they they cordial and hang out with each other and everything after Odell Beckham signed. But as the season wears on, if they play together and Odell isn't getting the ball or the team's losing, you know, what kind of outbursts may Odell throw and fits on the sidelines? Or will he have any kind of issues with Lamar Jackson if he feels like Lamar isn't getting in the ball when he's open or not looking his way when the coverage is blown? We have to see. Hopefully they can coexist if indeed Lamar does play this season. And right now things are just kind of in the air. So we'll have to wait and see how everything pans out. But it's believed that with the addition of Odell Beckham Jr., Lamar Jackson will probably be more willing and, you know, willing and easy easier to maybe get into training camp or get on the field or get the sign of free agents, free, excuse me, the uh, franchise player tag, but we'll see. And in other NFL news, when it came to the potential of Lamar Jackson playing for the New England Patriots, where it was rumored Meek Mill told Patriots owner Robert Kraft that Lamar Jackson had said he would like to play for the Patriots. And Kraft immediately passed the buck to Bill Belichick, and Belichick immediately did not entertain the idea. Ashanti Samuel, former standout cornerback for the Patriots, and somebody who had... Lots of success with the Patriots said, no, my brother, you do not want to play for Bill Belichick. So even despite Bill Belichick's <laughs> Super Bowl resume with Tom Brady and the success of those Patriots franchise teams, here's one person who said, no, my brother, you do not want to play for Bill Belichick. In other NFL news, Redskins and Washington Commander fans can rejoice 
Stinky Snyder is finally to sell the embattled franchise, which had so much turmoil, so much toxic culture, toxic workplace, seemed like incompetent ownership or in unable to or unable to produce any kind of success on the field ownership. Then we find out all these things going on behind closed doors, improper bookkeeping, trying to rip off the citizens of Maryland or taxpayers of Maryland. You know, the the sexual discrimination and the things that they used to do to those some of women who used to work in those offices with them. The way they spied on the cheerleaders is just it was just shenanigan after shenanigan, inappropriate thing after inappropriate thing. And Roger Goodell would never do anything of real consequence or substance to Snyder, despite the supposed suspension when Snyder's wife was said to be running the team, which basically was the same thing. But they knew there were a lot of improper things going on with this franchise for years and nobody really held them accountable. Now, even on his way out, Snyder has the franchise or the team facing different investigations from the from the federal state level i mean they had they, they have already been investigated by the nfl and for whatever reason they decided to keep that information private it probably was too much to release to the public that would just completely stain and besmirch the shield while things are already going on with deshaun watson at this time last summer Last year, last offseason. So, the Redskins slash Washington Commanders will be selling to a to the Josh Harris group, which includes Magic Johnson, whose stake hasn't been made public, but he is a minority owner in three other leagues with a projected $600 million man net worth. And the Wall Street Journal questioned his actual influence and voice within the organization with the Washington Commanders ownership group who's purchasing this for $6.05 billion from Sneaky Snyder. And they wondered if Magic Johnson will be used to dispel the lack of black ownerships in the NFL or be a familiar face in key meetings or... Will Magic Johnson have a nice chunk of that Washington Commanders franchise on the low, though? But we have seen other black celebrities get involved in professional sports ownership. And we've seen some big initiatives and motives and moves and movements behind behind these celebrities for these franchises. But one thing people can always remember and look back on was the Brooklyn Nets with Jay-Z and the influence that Jay-Z appeared to have with the Nets in the way that he was able to help them revitalize Brooklyn, bring in the Barclays Center, design uniforms, things of that nature. And when it really came down to the actual percentages of the numbers, his ownership was really a lot less than a lot of people thought. And I believe at 
I believe it was somewhere along the lines of less than or equal to half of a percent or something of that nature of of ownership. But with his cachet, his celebrity, his notoriety coming from the hip hop game, being known as a successful artist, building Rockefeller with Damon and Biggs, and then going over to the NBA world, he already had that notoriety being from Brooklyn, familiar face, hometown boy, made it big, made it good. Now he's part owner of the Nets. He's bringing opportunity to Brooklyn. He's bringing a new arena. And they were really able to kind of ride that wave of his notoriety, his success in music and entertainment. And it all came together perfectly for them. So the question I believe the Wall Street Journal was posing was, Will Magic Johnson, who's had so much business success with Starbucks, Magic Johnson theaters, multiple, numerous investments and everything else. Will he have a lot of input with the Redskin organization or will he kind of be more used for his celebrity, for his smile, for his notoriety, his personality or... Will he be right there bringing everybody to the voting booths to get them to vote for a new stadium <laughs> so the so the Washington Commanders could get started off with a brand new stadium courtesy of Magic Johnson Theaters and Starbucks Coffee and Cornbread? You never know. But it's going to be interesting to see moving forward as we have now two black owners with Magic Johnson and also... Condoleezza Rice with the Denver Bronco organization and the Walton family. So big ups to everything Magic Johnson is doing in the business world. And good look for the NFL that finally have some black owners on board in some capacity as opposed to not. Now let's work on hiring some black coaches. And the other NFL news, we have Cowboys tagging running back, backup running back, now star running back, Tony Pollard, the speedster, the quick one, $10 million man. And they also get the power and size speed running back, Ronald Jones, formerly of Buccaneers, backing up Leonard Fournette, helping them get to the Super Bowl. Nice size, nice speed combination for him. And of course, Zeke, Ezekiel Elliott had to be released by the Cowboys, save some of that cap money. Early on, he was talking about some teams that he wanted to play for, such as the Jets or Eagles. But one thing he learned once he became a fridge in this, you actually have to have a team that wants you. <laughs> it's like you can't just say, oh, I wouldn't mind playing for the so-and-so or the so-and-so because these franchises and these general managers and these owners and player personnel, everybody has a way that they already view you through a certain lens or – you might be a running back. They might say you got high miles on you. You're not what you used to be. You lost a step. You're getting long in the tooth. You're too old. You're on the wrong side of 30. They got a million cliches to, nah, we can't give you no real bread. You got to prove yourself. <laughs> and it might come down to a veteran mineral, you know, but you got to take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> but we'll see where Ezekiel Elliott ends up, former star running back. Of the Dallas Cowboys. Speaking of running backs, Giants tag Saquon Barkley and overpay 
the quarterback Jones. I mean, I I I I don't know, man. It's just Danny Danny Dimes, Danny Danny. I, I don't know, but I think he got that money more of his image. He's squeaky clean. He's the he's a good face of the franchise, I guess, but. He doesn't seem to have that kind of it factor to kind of take the Giants over the top, but he can play good team control. I mean, ball control, team ball. He does know how to scramble when he needs to, and he can pick up some good first, you know, first downs. Daniel Jones, but I say think Saquon is the like they say the uh, he's the spoon that stirs the coffee. He's the you know he's the cream and the sugar in there because. Once they know you have, they have to respect your running game. That's going to open up the passing game, and uh, the Giants haven't really had a lot of star receivers of recent. But I think they're starting to try to get a few weapons on the outside. But Saquon is going to take a stance with this and maybe not sign or not be eager to sign or wait till actual training camp or the last day possible before he shows up just to show. He would have preferred to have an extension and not just be on a one-year rental for a team that he's come back injury after injury and still proven to be a solid running back. So we'll see how things progress with the Saquon Barkley New York Giants situation. And speaking of New York and situations, is am I the only one who can remember when Brett Favre was Aaron Rodgers? And now Aaron Rodgers is Brett Favre because when Brett Favre was leaving the Packers, it was always every year. Is he coming back? Will he stay? Will he go? Does he still like us? Does he want to be here every year, every year? And then we got to the point where they hired, you know, drafted Aaron Rodgers. And then it was like, oh, man, are they ever going to let this kid play? I mean, they just keep waiting and waiting. Is, is Brett Favre going to leave? Where is he going to the Jets? Is he going to the Vikings? Where is Brett Favre going? Every year, every season, it was always that. Now, Aaron Rodgers has become Brett Favre. The person he used to look at and say, oh, man, would you just retire? Oh, man, would you just go to another team? Would you just quit acting like you're going to be here and you're not? And now that's what he's doing with the Packers as they – drag out this long, long, long trade from the Packers to the Jets. Everybody knows he's basically out the door. He just has not signed in the paper yet. And maybe the Packers want a little too much when the Jets are already going to take on that huge salary, that huge ego, <laughs> and also that, well, you know, Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. How will he... How will he get along and coexist with the New York media? If he start to get a little sassy and snappy and snazzy with them, they're going to talk that S. <laughs> Trust and believe it's going to be on them, them papers and them, them back pages of different, those different posts and times and everything else. So it's not going to be like small hometown USA Green Bay. It's going to be like, oh, bro, you you know, you came up here we're paying you all this money. You know, you talk all this big talk and you're not producing and that team is basically set ready to go it's just like just drop him in drop him in there and they have everything they already need nice young receivers strong running back strong defense the giants are the, excuse me the jets are ready but is is aaron Rodgers that missing link is he that missing piece 
that will take the Jets over the top this year, where they'll start to be in contention with AFC championships against the Chiefs and the Bengals and uh, the Bills and whoever else can rise to that to that level year after year in the AFC. Maybe the Dolphins as well. So we're going to see, but be interesting to see how this trade finally materializes and becomes, you know, official. Even though it's already out, out, you know, the cast out the bag, they're trying to get it done. But it's just been a lot of posturing and lingering and lingering, and you know, just get it done already. Let let uh the QB love come in for the Packers and have his chance, just like when Aaron Rodgers was waiting behind Brett Favre, and it was just like, well, when is he just gonna leave Green Bay and give this guy a chance? Like, bro, you can't do this every year. Well, they, they're just, oh, will he come back? We really want him back. But see, this year, Green Bay told Aaron Rodgers, like, yo, man, you could go ahead and go. So that was definitely a, something that was needed for a long time in a situation like this where the quarterback isn't sure if he wants to come back to the franchise or do his own thing or whatever. But, hey, he learned from the best. I guess he learned from the worst. I don't know, but. Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. How will this play out over the 2023 season? We'll see. And uh, speaking of quarterbacks on the move, Derek Carr has chosen the New Orleans Saints, and the Saints also bring in running back Jameel Williams, formerly of the Detroit Lions. NFL have approved a new QB helmet. Was this helmet influenced by... Tua Tonglevoa and the concussions he sustained potentially, probably, and possibly. And when it came to ranking bad NFL facilities, the Arizona Cardinals topped the, topped the list of NFL PA players complaining about different NFL team facilities, even saying that the Cardinals would charge players for certain meals if they came to the facility on an off day or after certain hours. <laughs> so it is what it is. It's, it's, it's a cold it's a cold world in the league. Welcome to the NFL. You got to pay for food at your at your facility <laughs> if you're on this team. <laughs> and speaking of on this team, where will DeAndre Hopkins be on this team this coming fall? as D-Hop is rumored to want to be on the move from the Cardinals. And we've heard Ravens, we've heard Patriots, but where will he end up? Will it be the Kansas City Chiefs? Can you imagine Hopkins lining up with Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid and all those weapons and playmakers and that deep playbook and Kelsey on the other side? That will be a nice formidable offense but we know Kansas City is going to have a nice offense regardless that's their forte that's what they do and they have the weapons in place but having another key star receiver wouldn't hurt so we'll see where DeAndre Hopkins ends up and we've already seen OBJ end up ready to play in Baltimore after taking a year off of that Super Bowl injury or injury to his ACL where he supposedly played the season with the LA Rams without an ACL now had the same leg repaired and I think they put another ACL back in there so we don't know how many ACLs he got but that brother, can, that brother got some good genes or something 
<laughs> or they putting some good, they doing some good skin grafts out the other leg or something, man. He he's doing something right, but supposedly that first surgery wasn't the best, and now that they, they went back in there, they said the leg is looking better and definitely better if he has an ACL in there and didn't have one in when he was playing for the Rams, even though he still was looking good without an ACL, but. With the time that OBJ had off, I believe he probably definitely had time to get back in the good shape and be a positive influence on this Baltimore offense this year, especially as they go into a new era of offensive play calling schemes and maybe transitioning more from the zone read every down and the run heavy to we'll spread out a little bit and rely on the running game here and there. Other quarterback signings, the Tampa Bay Bucks have brought in Baker Mayfield as the first quarterback to replace and come in after the GOAT, Tom Brady, retires. So we see how Baker Mayfield does with those Tampa Bay Buck receivers. Nice depth down there with Godwin, Evans, and we'll see what happens with, with Tampa Bay and Baker Mayfield. Speaking of quarterbacks, can Cam come, come back, back? And when I say can Cam come, come back, back, y'all know I'm talking about Superman Cam. Y'all remember all them times he was doing big things in the Carolinas, busting in that end zone, helping to get that MVP, busting that shirt open with the Superman chest, all them kids and fans in the, in the rows and the stairs, the bleachers. With the number one jerseys, I mean, Cam will always be a Carolina football legend for everything that he was able to accomplish. Unfortunately, with the league, you know, time time does not stop. Time keeps moving. And every season, every year, there's, there's new talent coming in the league. And there's somebody trying to take your place. And every year that you've been in the league and you had a lot of had a lot of reps, you had a lot of plays, you had a lot of carries, you had a lot of dropbacks, you had a lot of passes. Your body's taking that wear and tear. You had a lot of hits, you had a lot of tackles, you had a lot of physical contact. You had a lot of getting knocked around, pushed around, somebody trying to take your head off, somebody trying to take your knees from out you. So I think as the years progressed, Cam definitely took more of a pounding than he definitely wanted to. I think and if we look back at that Super Bowl, I think that was one of the reasons he didn't fall on that ball the way some people might want him to because maybe he already knew he had a, a pain somewhere in his legs or his feet where it would have been uncomfortable for him to fall on the ball the way he may have wanted to and he may not have wanted to get hit going down that way where he knew he was already injured somewhere. But needless to say, at this juncture, after a year removed from the league, you know, he came out. He threw for Auburn's Pro Day to throw to his brother, who's, I believe, a receiver. But he's also making it known he wants to come back to the league. And he's not just a quarterback. He's also a celebrity and a fashionista. <laughs> and he's a personality. And he has a big personality. And he... He has he has ego. He has pride. He has he's Cam. He knows who he is. He knows what he's accomplished. But 
when the franchises and the GMs and the pers- player personnel and the head coach look at him, similar to what happened with New England, it's like, does his or can his off the field acumen, his off the field personality, the hats, the wardrobe, the 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 uh, podcasts, the outspokenness, you know, the 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 hip hop influence, the wanting to do things his way, can that mesh well with my organization? I don't. They may don't. They don't want the backup quarterback to have so much influence over the younger players because the younger players grew up watching them. So they're hanging on his every word in the locker room and he's schooling them on, oh man, this coach right here, this, he's like this. And, you know, when I was in the league, da, da, when I when I was younger, when I was y'all age, I didn't know this, you know. So some teams not so eager to bring him in, not to mention his production has fallen off after playing for the Panthers and then going going to the Patriots. And then going back to the Panthers, it just was like it just wasn't wasn't the best look for him. And he he had decent success with the Patriots early, but then also I think they kind of started to run the same come to some of the same plays a little too much like that. Uh, they had like a shotgun sweep they used to run with him. They think they kind of ran that a little a little too much. And also when he left the team for COVID. And he came back, he wasn't the same, and, you know, they ended up cutting him for, for Mac Jones to be the starter. But it's, it's not going to be a lot of teams that want to give Cam the opportunity simply because he is such a personality, he is such a celebrity, and he would yield and wield so much influence in the locker room to where if the quarterback was playing poorly, it could be a quarterback controversy players could take sides against the starting quarterback and the head coach and be like, no, we we camp should be in there because, you know, he'd be killing in the practice and he's, you know, he, uh, so it's just like you coaches always don't want to deal with that. And really right now, how healthy is he and how effective can he be? And would the team cater or tailor an offense more toward him or would he be able to fit into what they're trying to do scheme wise and, you know, concept-wise. And that's a question a lot of football fans don't even really want to consider. But you got to understand some coaches will bend the playbook and the way they're used to doing things for certain for certain players. Some coaches will do that. And some coaches are just like, well, he wouldn't fit this system or I need a quarterback that can do this. But a lot of the NFL now is is gearing and catering more towards athletic mobile quarterbacks but in cam's situation maybe his arm isn't what it once was or the accuracy isn't there like it was and how much how much influence are coaches and staff members willing to give up when you bring in somebody like cam who these younger guys grew up you know looking up to if not idolizing or admiring, and now he's he's there, and he's the life of the party, and you know everybody rocking with him. So it's a slippery slope. But at the same time, when he came out, he was very pri- he was very prideful and very outspoken, and he said, you know, it's not thirty two co- it's not thirty two quarterbacks in the league better than me, better than him. And it's easy to say that, but at the same time, 
there's no way he can actually, you know, prove it for one. And for two, it's like, that's his opinion. But these people who evaluate quarterbacks and how, how good they are, they go by like pro player focus, pro football focus and statistics and, you know, data and, you know, crunching numbers and analytics and how, how were you against the blitz? How were you when you had no pressure? You know, what is your average completion per, you know, else your average yardage per completion? You know, what is this? You know, it's this like, it's not just as simple as, you know, I, w- I used to be the star. I used to be the man. It's like, okay, that was then. This is now. How have you developed as a pocket passer? How have you developed as a decision maker? How long did it take you to read the offense to get the ball out? Those are things that quarterback evaluators want to know and want to see. And that's why when you see quarterbacks come in off the bench and they can be effective and they look like they know what they're doing and they're confident and they're slinging that ball and it's like quick drop back, quick scan, left, right, where I'm going, the ball is out. You know that, okay, somebody – evaluate this quarterback and can see he can make decisions quickly. He's not gun shy. He gets the ball out and he puts the ball in a good spot, a good location for his receiver to make a catch and get some yards. And you saw that last season in a great example is bringing in somebody like a Brock Purdy. And he just comes in the game decisive with his throws, scans the field fast, makes the decision, gets the ball out. And we saw that evolution with Tua Tonglevoa last year as well. Well, he wasn't always the most polished passer just coming in the league, but early last season, we saw a lot of glimpses of of how good he can be in the league before the concussion started to add up. And he had to take some time away from the game. But we're having those kind of weapons and being a fast decision maker, it, it means a lot. And I think if if Cam could could upgrade that part of his game and show you know show personnel and coaches that he can uh, he can be a fast processor of information, get the ball out fast, and it's not all about him. He's a team guy. Then somebody might invite invite him in because you know it's going to be training camp. It's going to be preseason. Somebody's going to be hurt. And they may have a scheme somewhere that suits Cam with one of these organizations where the playbook is a little more, you know, dual threat, run friendly. But I still say we haven't seen the last of Cam, but for him to come back, I just think he has to be a little more humble and you can't come out the gate like, you know, talking stuff about other quarterbacks when you're trying to get into the back into the league and they're already in the league. And you know you're not out of the league because of your talent, 100%. But, you know, sometimes people don't want to deal with extra things that come with certain uh, players' personalities. He's one of those people. So his productivity may not be high enough to deal with his personality for them. But we'll see what happens with Cam moving forward in the return of the quest to get back into the NFL for Cam Newton. Other NFL news. Former Dolphins cornerback Byron Jones 
was cut by the Dolphins after saying he can no longer run or jump. And players should consult outside doctors also saying don't take pills and don't take injections. And this is Byron Jones, former cornerback of the Miami Dolphins. One of the top corner. He was a top cornerback for his time in the league as well. Not playing too too long, but this is a story I think didn't get covered enough because this is one of the stories that the NFL would love to sweep under the rug. But if you do your Googles and your searches, you'll see this story was a, it was it was out for a little while and they just got rid of it. No one really followed up with anything. But basically, what he's saying is he probably was felt he was misled and you know deceived by the Dolphins training staff or the Dolphins doctors to play in certain situations maybe he shouldn't have or maybe there were things that were ligaments or bones and they, maybe they just taped it up to a point where it was so stiff that he would not you know feel the damage that was they were trying to hide but maybe it caused another damage so that's just like a warning for any future NFL player or anyone who's in the league now that, you know, this is someone who's been there and done that telling you don't take injections and, you know, don't take pills and consult outside doctors if you feel something ain't right with your body and what the training staff, doctors, or your organization are telling you, so... Big shout out to Byron Jones for speaking out about that and being honest about what's going on with him and his situation in the league with his injuries and now no longer able to run or jump. And one of the cornerbacks replacing him will be Jalen Ramsey from the Los Angeles Rams, now coming over, traded over to the Miami Dolphins. Another Dolphins signing is chosen Robbie Anderson, former receiver for the Jets, Panthers, and Cardinals now coming over to the Miami Dolphins to team up with Tyree Kill and Waddle. So, Dolphins will have a nice receiving core once again, especially led by those two speedsters. And the Dallas Cowboys will pair Stephon Gilmore, seasoned season cornerback, all pro, one of the top cornerbacks of recent years, with the young ball hawk speedster Trey Diggs so the Cowboys will have one of the top defensive back duos in the league heading into the 2023 season speaking of defensive backs the seasoned veteran Patrick Peterson will be joining the Pittsburgh Steelers coming this fall and speaking of the Pittsburgh Steelers Ben Roethlisberger been fishing trying to get some hits or views or clicks or whatever to his new podcast or somebody's podcast or some of the things he's been saying it just makes you wonder what's up with some of these retired what's some what's up with some of these retired players because Roethlisberger is claiming the 49ers tried to holler at him after he retired but it's like Nobody really cares, man. It's like it's Roethlisberger. Nobody really cares, man. Did you go play for the 49ers? No, you didn't, man. But he's say, probably saying this because he know and he knew in his heart of hearts, he know Tom Brady really wanted to go 
back and play for the 49ers. But at that time, they still had Garoppolo. And that's when that leak had came out of one of the teams Tom Brady wanted to go play for. They told him they had a, who they had a quarterback. He said, oh, y'all still, he said, oh, you still got that MFR? <laughs> so, you know, Ben Roethlisberger got to dig this up just to try to throw it in Tom Brady's face. Like, yeah, well, you know, they didn't want you, but I could have went and played for the 49ers if I wanted to. But, you know, I didn't. I, I stayed retired. Like, Ben Roethlisberger, nobody cares. Then he came out saying something about Lamar Jackson and how nobody really feared Lamar Jackson from the pocket. It's like, Ben, when you was playing quarterback, you came into the league on a, a, a franchise that's one of the flagship franchises of the NFL, first of all, the Steelers. They already had the defense in place when you was there. You had players on your defense like, I mean, Troy Palomalu. You have players on your, on your defense like, I mean, the list goes. I mean, the list goes on and on. Like people that will put people in concussions on. The, on I mean, you had some beasts on that Pittsburgh Steelers defense, and y'all know exactly what I'm saying. Like the Steelers always had a strong defense, so Steelers also always had a nice, solid running game. And nice receivers. That's just how the Steelers are. So when Roethlisberger was there, Carly was like Rashad Mendenhall, Willie Parker, and, you know, guys like that. And maybe later on it was Le'Veon Bell. So he always had a good run game. And he always had receivers like Hines Ward, Antoine Randall-L. Uh, was it Plat with Plastico Birds there when Roethlisberger was there? Also, uh, A.B., Antonio Brown. I mean, they had some, they always have some nice receivers in Pittsburgh, like Emmanuel Sanders, Santonio Holmes. I mean, so how can you compare that to what, what the Ravens had when Lamar got there when Lamar basically was the standout offensive player and threat on the team they recently got Hollywood Brown but before that the team basically was run heavy uh, maybe Mark Ingram uh, Johnson they didn't really have that many standout receivers in Lamar Jackson's tenure with so far with the Ravens so bringing in somebody like Odell Beckham is a big a big improvement from what Lamar's used to not to mention the offense Lamar Jackson has been running has been run oriented. So he even if he would have had somebody like Odell Beckham Jr. or some of the weapons Roethlisberger had, there was a completely different offense. And Roethlisberger was the type of player who was kind of like a Russell Wilson in a way of when the play broke down, he would break a bunch of sack tackles and then try to manufacture something. He wasn't like every play was just perfect drop back you know option a option b go through progression quickly and get the ball out like Roethlisberger never was that so sometimes we just see some of these old retired players just you know they 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 can unjustly criticize and scrutinize some of these uh, current players and it's just like bro when you was playing this is how things were set up for you 
Now look at how this thing is set up for him. Now this would be a better evaluation of Lamar Jackson as a quarterback this year, in my opinion, because it's going to be like more of a spread wide open offense as opposed to being a run oriented offense. And all of his passes mostly going to the tight end in previous years. Now bringing in a star receiver, also have Nelson Aguilar there and still have a nice talented tight end. Also, Rashad Bateman. So they have a little bit of receiver depth. They have to get the timing down with Lamar Jackson and these weapons. But if he comes in, he signs the franchise tender and plays ball, I think they could do some things. But we still got to see how their offense is going to be run. What's the playbook? What's the play calling? And what's, you know, what's the offense going to be like? So Ben Roethlisberger need to chill out, man, especially when he didn't catch a lot of flack for some of his other off-field transgressions, and y'all know what I'm talking about. And in NFL's coverage sports news, ESPN has been rumored to be going back around on the chopping block, so stay tuned and you see if you still see some of your favorite ESPN personalities and journalists on TV as ESPN and Disney go for another round of cuts. So we'll see who makes the cut this time. And we'll see who's no longer on ESPN no time. And other media news, NFL Network fires woke black reporter Jim Trotter. And Jim Trotter was one of those reporters who would ask the tough questions. And he was on on. Roger Goodell's case and on his butt behind certain things that was going on between owners, especially Dan Snyder. And maybe they got tired of being asked questions by someone who works for them about some of their improprieties. So however they did it, of course, they made it seem like it was not related to this, but Jim Trotter was known to ask those tough questions, and now he just mysteriously gets fired by NFL Network. So, y'all know this is that corporate BS, and they will spin it however they want to make it appear that this is just a random fire and it had nothing to do with some of those tough questions Jim Trotter was asking Roger Goodell, but we know better than that. Other NFL Network casualty is former Patriot great and Long Beach native Willie McGinnis, known as Big Willie, recently fired by NFL Network after physical altercation where one man was left injured, I believe at a restaurant or something like that. So NFL Network has been letting go of some of those black anchors and reporters for, you know, certain things here and there. And speaking of here and there, Jimmy Garoppolo going from here to there, going from the Bay to the Bay? No, going from the Bay to Cincinnati, where Garoppolo will go from the 49ers, where he was injured, to the Las Vegas Raiders, teaming back up with Boy Wonder, Josh McDaniels, formerly of the New England Patriot Way, Bill Belichick coaching family tree. So we see how these two can rekindle that Patriot flame, Patriot way, and Patriot West, Vegas.
Garoppolo to the Raiders. And other Patriot news, Juju Smith-Schuster to the Patriots to play receiver. You know, Bill Belichick's like those hard-nosed guys who love the game, who about football, who very coachable and reliable. And that's somebody like Juju. You never really hear anything negative about the guy. He plays clean football. He does what he's supposed to do. Possession receiver who can break tackles, has good size. And Juju going to the Patriots, but he will not spin that bread for that number nine jersey from Judon, the linebacker. Juju saying, no, nah, I'm not going to give him that $100,000. So Juju, I believe, will wear 19 for the Patriots, if I'm not mistaken, but we'll see. Speaking of wide receivers and their football number, Debo Samuel would have preferred to wear number one instead of number 19 for the 49ers. But at this point now, he said it would cost him too much to buy all them jerseys back with number 19 on them just so he could wear number one. So he said he's going to stick with number 19. In other wide receiver jersey number news, Calvin Ridley, the recently reinstated receiver who bet on a games or two or three or four when he played for the Falcons, will wear number zero after the new rule change for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So look out for them number zero Calvin Ridley football jerseys. And the Raiders also franchise tag running back Josh Jacobs and traded tight end uh, Waller to the New York Giants. So Raiders making some moves. I don't know about getting rid of Waller, but maybe he just was not fitting in the uh, Josh McDaniels system or maybe Josh McDaniels wanted somebody else to play tight end or whatever. But we also know Josh Daniels wasn't the most keen person on Josh Jacobs when he first got to the Raiders. And now you end up having to franchise him because he was one of the most prolific and, you know, productive players on that Raiders franchise for this year. So even though he may not have been Josh McDaniels' favorite running back, Josh Jacobs had a great season for the Raiders last year, so you can't get rid of him, can you? Then you really look bad if you lose. And Nick Saban recently was saying something about the NFL and the NIL, and he didn't really agree with the NIL and how his competition in the SEC – Texas A&M coach Jimbo Fisher had bought his whole <laughs> he bought his whole lineup or his whole recruiting class with the NIL deals and it was like really like the pot calling the kettle black like who knows what back backroom deals went on with different Alabama athletes as they get very high profile five and four star recruits every year and Saban is saying this was a $288 million football facility, which was basically built off the backs of those same players he may or may not have dangled a little carrot in front of to get the sign and come to his college. So Saban is really a funny guy for that one. How can you be against the NIL when you have been doing the NIL probably before the NIL was the NIL, and now you feel like, People are taking advantage of it and doing it the wrong way, and it's not what it's meant for. Come on, bro. You you wildin', bro. And then we have 
the owners reing up with Roger Goodell for another contract. And he basically did what he's supposed to do. He protected the owners. He's their little, you know, he's their little guy. And he, he protects them. You never hear anything negative about the owners. Only when the owners come after each other. So Goodell in that aspect did what he was supposed to do and tried to cover up for some of these transgressions of the owners and the star players. So it is what it is. He didn't may have not punished or have had a hard enough fist, an iron fist with Dan Snyder or, you know, Deshaun Watson. But, you know, I'm sure every fan has their own idea and their own opinion of if he's a good G, if he's a good commissioner of the league or not. And they definitely make it known every NFL draft that they feel like he's not. <laughs> and then we have Stephen A. Smith getting salty and throwing a little vibe, a little hint of the haterade vibe to up and coming sports podcast creators. Really? So as y'all see the shift from traditional cable to internet, YouTube, podcast media, a lot of these so-called top dog stations and networks losing a lot of steam and losing a lot of juice. And, of course, ESPN is one of them. So just to put things in perspective, even some of the top network sports shows at morning, you know, morning talk shows like uh, Undisputed, that show the amount of views that gets on TV does not equal the amount of views that Shannon Sharp gets through his own personal podcast, which is, you know, Club Shay Shay. And he's the proprietor of he's the proprietor of Club Shay Shay. So it shows like there's a, definitely a shift in the way people want to consume media, the way people respect media. And the attention aspect, the attention span of what people want to watch and watching what they want to watch and choosing what they want to watch and not just watching something because it's on TV or because it used to be hot or used to be the thing. So it's like with ESPN, like ESPN would never be the network it was before or have that same kind of cachet or star power or, you know, like outlier or, you know, game changer never never again because now it's been done it's been watered down they brought in certain personalities trying to you know find the next this person or that person and it just didn't work so then they had to go a whole different way and somehow Stephen A became the face of ESPN and just by being loud and boisterous and arguing about nothing and you know having such a quote strong opinion on things or whatever he you know was able to weasel his way to the top i guess and now he comes out salty at up-and-coming sports podcast creators saying uh saying that there's no journalism and people don't have a resume you can't have you can't 
you can't have a res you can't have a you can't be a journalist without having a resume basically so it's like showing the cable versus net and people are getting in their feelings because it's somebody who can do the same thing that you do from this network from their living room and they can probably articulate themselves better than you or get more of an audience to be engaged in their conversation and enjoy what they're doing without being on ESPN or Fox Sports or whatever platform. And when some people see that, you know, they're not the they're not the hottest thing in sports media anymore. They get they get offended by that, like, oh well, I make so and so, well, I I can't pay for this, well, well, I'm 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 I'm, I'm. it's just like, bro, your, your time can come and your time can go, and your time can pass, and you can become obsolete and outdated, and nobody would care, nobody would care, unless you have your own platform and you've established yourself outside of ESPN, outside of Fox Sports, outside of whoever, because. Whenever they tell you you can't be on TV no more, then what you got? If you don't have an audience, if you don't have a, a a fan base, if you don't have supporters, if you don't have people who value your opinion and your perspective on sports journalism and news and your takes and your delivery and your, your wordplay, what else do you have? Because these people are put in position and sometimes they feel like they can get bigger than the network, but it doesn't always work like that because they can try to make you big and keep pushing you out to the public, but eventually the public is going to decide, eh, he's okay, or yeah, we rock with him, or yeah, or no, I, I can watch this other guy on YouTube and, you know, he's not in some fancy studio or, you know, he's not yelling and screaming every five minutes at the TV, but I like his I like his perspective and I think he's a I think he's a good journalist. He makes sense to me. I can relate to him. But for some people all they can relate to is going on TV, yelling and hollering and screaming, 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> like, yo, it's a little early for you to have that much aggression, man. You might need to, you know, do some push-ups or sit-ups or something or calm your ass down because <laughs> nobody should wake up with that kind of aggression about sports every morning. But, you know, that's that's the little hot gimmick and the little hot thing right now for some of these networks and platforms. It's like get some guy who's loud and get him to, you know, uh, get him to, you know... <laughs> be angry about a topic every morning and have, have so much outrage and <laughs> frustration behind a sports <laughs> behind a sports topic <laughs> when there's so many you know so many more key and important and you know vital things going on in the world in the United States and especially in the black community but that's just where we at with things right now like it's about shock value and somebody's going to say something you don't like. And, oh, they're so wrong because, you know, he's not the greatest. He's the greatest because this, that, and the third. And, you know, oh, this person isn't clutch. Oh, they'll never be a legend. Or he doesn't have a championship or he doesn't want it back. It's just like, okay, that's where the sports game is now. So it's moving to the Internet. You see where it's at. You see the podcast. You see the people making content, the creators, 
the sports journalists, the gossip people, whoever talking about this athlete, that athlete. And there are a lot of former pro athletes doing journalism as well. And now I'm even